0: Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface-level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian, two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life.
1: So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. there.
0: All right. Hi, guys. We are back. Hi. We
1: are back together again, and we have a... Fun and kind of funny to me, guest on with
0: us today. Who do we have, Christian? Yes, guys. Today we have Patrick Miller on. So, hi, Patrick. Hi,
2: thanks for having me. I've been waiting for my big chance to get on to going there finally asked me. We, uh, finally.
0: We've we asked you before
1: and it just fell into place. We've said from day one, like you got to come on and yeah, now it's yeah, happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I've been waiting so oh. long. No,
0: okay. Guys, well, if you, you guys know, are. yes, Patrick is a good friend of ours and he's also a pastor at our church. And so we wanted to bring him on today just to talk a little bit more. He's also a co-host of several other different podcasts. So if you guys don't know him at all, we just want to have him start out by telling us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So like you said, I'm a pastor at your guys's church. I also have two podcasts, 10 minute Bible talks where we do little 10-minute Bible devotionals and Truth Over Tribe, where we talk about spicy topics, interesting topics around cultural issues, but we try to do it not from a political perspective or a left or right perspective, but instead from a Jesus-centered perspective. How does Jesus help us to think about the cultural moment that we're living in? And I think it's really valuable because everything's changing and everything's really confusing. And I'm not saying that as some like old curmudgeon you know, 40, 50-year-old man. I'm neither of those things. I was going
1: to say, are you (laughs) now 40 or 50?
2: (laughs) No, I'm in my 30s. I'm not saying it that way at all. I'm saying that we are going through such a rapid pace of cultural change that it's hard to keep your Jesus glasses on and not just get swept up into the moment.
1: Well, that kind of just to dive into the topic we're covering today, that is kind of relevant to what we're talking about. We're kind of talking about the idea of living with someone before marriage. Is that okay? And I think when we're looking at today's culture, it's like there are a lot of reasons you could really justify that. And does the Bible say anything about this? Like, let's reel it back in and kind of pick this apart. And I kind of want to say, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I really hope whenever we cover topics like this, it doesn't come off judgmental or like we're shaming. If that's how you're living right now, or how you did live, or how you're planning to live in the future, but just that this could spark thought for you if you are thinking through that idea, and maybe that it could just help you again, kind of like you said. What did you say? Like the biblical lens or Bible? What did you say? Bible. (laughs) I don't even remember. Bible glasses
0: on (laughs) on this topic. Your Bible Bible glasses. glasses. No, that's so good because I do think again we don't want to come from a place of judgment, but we. We do want to enter into topics. That's why we named our podcast Going There. We wanted to go there in conversation that maybe you're not willing to have with other people in your life. Maybe you don't have anyone in your life that you can talk about these topics with. And so living together with someone prior to the commitment of marriage is kind of what we want to dive into today. We've heard a lot about it. We have all been in places and in conversations about that. And so we just wanted to go into that head on.
2: Yeah. It, it, can I just say this? As a pastor, you know, I used to have a lot of time with people in their 20s, people who were cohabitating, trying to ask these exact questions. When I'm wearing my pastor hat, I'm very, very different <laughs> because you need to be gentle and you need to understand that every single situation is a little bit different. And there's going to be nuances that you have to get into in those particular circumstances. Right now, I'm going to put on my podcaster hat and my podcaster hat's a little spicy. My podcaster hat's a little bit challenging. I see, okay. And so I'm just saying this to say, if you were sitting in, in my office with me to have this conversation, we'd have one conversation but right now I hope that you are confident enough in your beliefs to be able to be challenged by someone else and not get really offended by it And so if you get offended by me again remember that's not who I'm gonna be if you're in my office but right now like just kind of embrace this idea of yeah I love being ch- I love being told I'm wrong like it's a fun fact about me <laughs> I love figuring out that I'm wrong because then I'm not as dumb as I was the day before. You know, that's the only way to get oh. less dumb is to be well, wrong. Then I'm we can try have to some conversations. Some things, then. Yeah, I can, yeah, I, I can pull some things up. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, you for sure see me be wrong. We, we hang out and uh, you've uh, seen it. I love being proven wrong.
1: That's a good point, too. If you are really angry about this topic, DM and email Patrick and not Christian. <laughs> just
2: kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> that's what we say on our website. We're like, just send all the trolls to me. You know, for I deserve bit. them and no. just avoid everybody else. No,
0: but we really are like very confident in that. If you want to talk more about this topic, we'd love to talk more about it because right now we are going to be talking about. What does the Bible have to say about this? Why do we believe that there are maybe rules and limitations and restrictions or boundaries that we should put in place in this area? And so we're going to be diving into that. So right off the bat, Patrick, why do you think that this could be an appealing or a helpful or, I don't know, just maybe like a thing that couples want to do. Like, why do we even look into this as Christians?
2: Well, I I think we have to start by pulling back the camera because it used to be incredibly taboo to cohabitate with someone who wasn't a spouse. And this has changed dramatically in recent history. So if you go all the way back to the 1960s, 0.01% of people between the ages of 18 to 24 lived with a person who wasn't a spouse, And around 40% lived with a spouse. So, I mean, that's just showing you that the age of marriage, everything's changing, right? Now, by the time you get to 2010, those numbers flip-flop. <laughs> okay. where now all of a sudden you have about nine, 10% of people and it's growing every year who are cohabitating. And then around seven, 6% of people in the 18 to 24 range who are living with someone that they're married to. And that's decreasing over time. And part of it's just because the age of marriage is changing. I mean, our whole perception of marriage is going through this radical shift between I think 1896 and 1980, the average age when a woman got married did not change. It just stayed the same for 100 years. That just shows that's how crazy. stable it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the average age is around 22. So obviously that's different. Now that age is, is creeping into the 30s that the average woman is getting married. And men have always gotten married just a little bit later than that. But again, men are now creeping into their early, early 30s is when they're getting married. Now I'm bringing up all of this simply to say, our perceptions around marriage, they are changing. And it's not just outside the church. There was someone who's asked this really great question and said, is it very important for couples who want to spend the rest of their lives together to get married? 2006. So this is not that long ago. I, I graduated mm-hmm. in 2006. <laughs> 54% of people say, yes, you should get married. 25% say, no, you shouldn't get married. 2020, those numbers change. Now it's 38% of people say, yeah, it's really important to marry someone who you want to spend the rest of your lives with. 36% of people say, no, it doesn't matter. In other words, we've gotten to a point where we don't even know if we want to get married mm-hmm. anymore. Well, we like, don't even know if marry? the
0: commitment's worth it anymore. Yeah. or so that kind
1: that makes sense then maybe we have even more people cohabitating because, hey, yeah, I want to be committed to this person for now and we'll live together and we'll pretend we're married, but yeah, we don't really know if we're gonna like walk down the aisle ever yeah so it's, well, it's just it's,
2: it's not it's not taboo anymore. There's mm-hmm. nothing weird. No one's gonna raise their eyebrows wait, you're you're living with someone and, and these things these stats I'm giving, they're true in the church as well.
1: I was gonna say, are you seeing this to be different? Are you seeing more and more young couples that are like thinking this is okay? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, again, I I used to do ministry to people in their 20s. That was the area that I focused on. And this was a huge thing. Lots of people, even people who would have called themselves committed Christians, were cohabitating, were living together. And I discovered really early on that it wasn't this conscious, I'm going to do one thing and I think the Bible tells me to do a different thing. It was kind of like, wait a second, the Bible says something different about this? I, I honestly had no idea. I didn't even think about the Bible saying anything different. In other words, we're looking at the culture around us that's setting the agenda. That's telling us how to live. And because we're young, we have no idea that these things have rapidly changed in a very short period of time. There's this great little illustration from G.K. Chesterton. He talks about a guy who goes out into a field and he finds somewhere in his field this fence. (laughs) And he's like, oh, there's a fence here. Now, the guy has two choices. He could just say, I'm going to rip down the fence. I don't need a fence here. I'm going to rip it down. Or he could say, well, gosh, someone spent a lot of time building this fence. Maybe there's a reason for it. Now, I think the rational thing to do is to go figure out why the fence is there. Maybe it's protecting your house from predators. Maybe it's actually your neighbor's fence and it's not your fence. So you can't tear it down. But we seem to be in this moment where everybody's just saying, tear down the fence. I, I don't care why it's there. Just tear it down. Look, marriage, family, the way we've done things, this has shaped human civilization for millennia. And we are changing it literally in the blink of an eye. And no one thinks it's a big deal. I mean I just maybe maybe we're right but whether you're a christian or not like shouldn't you just ask the question like maybe this fence is here for a reason maybe civilization might fall apart if we just start wrecking things
0: wow I feel like we need to let that sink in. That was all really good. Yeah, I think that is insane, though, because I work today. Obviously, we're talking about living together prior to the commitment of marriage. But I think we do that with so many things. I mean, we see that in our culture with just like so many choices that we're making that we see this boundary and we think, well, that is binding me to something that I don't want to be bound by. So I'm just going to get rid of it. I don't care what it used to do. Is doing, may do in the future. I just want to get rid of it because I don't feel like my freedom can be found when I have a boundary on me.
2: Oh, yeah. Which is just so
0: different than what the gospel really does and what the Bible speaks to in the way that no, God like prepared and created, you know, laws and ways of living and commandments to live by because he knew how we would flourish as humans. He knew what would be best for us to live in these ways to yeah, bring glory to him ultimately. So I just think that's so interesting.
1: Yeah. So, okay. As we're talking about how this has all changed, let's walk through like maybe two different scenarios that we kind of hear, whether it's the Christian culture or just in the world in general, like what would be the reasons maybe that you've heard from young couples or that we're just seeing as like, okay, here's my justification for why I'd want to live together before marriage.
2: Okay, let me change this for just a second. We we did an interview with The Bachelor, Clayton Eckerd, on our podcast, Truth Over Tribe. I, I actually refused to do it, so Keith had to do it. <laughs> and so anyways, Keith interviewed him, he talked to him, and in that discussion, he was explaining why he told three different women that he loved them and then proceeded to sleep with them. And his thought process was, "Well, I'm here to get married, and I need to kind of figure out if we can connect physically right does that does that work? And so I just you know responsibility would lead me into the decision that I need to sleep with all of these women, like I'm Solomon with my harem of you know try it before you buy it, and that's the attitude, right? It's try it before you buy it now he even admitted he was following his heart it was a disaster i mean he's been ripped a new one by everybody in the bachelor community and I'm i kind of laugh at it and i'm like wait are, are we we're shocked like who, why, why are we shocked i mean it's like that you you're shocked, shocked? <laughs> are
1: we shocked that is not a reference you would understand
2: <laughs> i don't understand it but that is so exactly good. <laughs> and so the, the try it before you buy it thing works if you're actually trying what you're going to buy so here's what i mean if i go to the local car dealership and i say hey I want to go test drive this truck. I take the truck. I drive it down into a lake and I sink the truck and I come back and I say, hey, I don't want the truck. It didn't float in the lake. You'd be like, we sell trucks, not boats. Okay. (laughs) Those are are two different things. If you think that dating someone and living in a house is the same thing as getting married to them, you're smoking some sort of crazy business because it's literally not the same Thing. So you can't try it before you buy. Let me try to maybe explain what I mean when I say it's not the same thing. What you want to do is you want all of the benefits of marriage. You want to share each other's bodies. You want to share each other's spaces. You want to share each other's time. You want to share each other's. You want everything that comes with marriage without the commitment of marriage. Why? because you want it to be performance based. In other words, what you're training yourself to do is to say, as long as you other person over here, make me happy, I will stay with you. But it's not until death do us part. It's until you no longer make me happy. And then I'll part ways and I'll go my own way. And this is what marriage is all about now. I mean, you have all these things about divorce and it's all it's all about self gratification. You are here for me. That's why the test drive metaphor is so messed up. Your wife is not a car. Your husband's in a car. Like, you buy a car because you like it and it works for you. That's not how you do spouses. I mean, they're literally two different things. And so, what are you training yourself to do? You're training yourself to be uncommitted. You're training yourself in your relationship to say, I am here as long as you make me happy. That is not a marriage right? It's a terrible way of training. It's like, I'm going to run a marathon and to train them, all I'm going to do is squats.
0: I'm like sitting over here kind of like laughing because I'm just thinking about my husband and I got married and now have been married for, I don't know, six and a half years. And it's crazy to think I remember our first few weeks of marriage and me seeing him. I mean, we spent obviously tons of time together prior to like getting engaged and married. So I knew a lot of weird things about <laughs> him, but I had never lived with the man. And I remember like the first few weeks I was like, Oh, whoa, like this is not gonna fly. And we had some really hard conversations. We had to kind of go at it in a few like different areas of just like keeping a house together and like, <laughs> I don't know, roles in the home and like just what we were gonna do. And yeah, I don't know, the constant, seat up, like, seat down, like all the right things. right next to the bin. Yes. Like we're and still just, seven years in having to oh, have yeah. that. One. And I just think like I kind of just laugh because I'm like, gosh, like obviously the love my husband would say I do to him time and time again. But I just sit there and I'm like, gosh, if I didn't have the commitment of marriage. I would have peaced out because that was not making me happy. That was not over the making toilet me seat so f- being down. No. you would have been like, let's break up. Hope you're, I hope
2: you are listening. <laughs> no, Keep but I'm just saying, the of
0: it all. if we are just in that relationship and if we choose to do this, like try it before I buy it, and I'm only there as a consumer, as like I will do this as long as it makes me happy. I will do this as long as it works for me. Then it's gosh, a performance based marriage.
2: Yeah, you were training yourself, and that's people wonder you, you are 33 percent more likely to have a divorce. If you cohabitated beforehand, 33% more likely. Why? Because you trained for the wrong thing. You're doing squats when you're trying to run a marathon, right? Like those are two different things. Is
1: is that current data? Like recently? That's,
2: That's current recent data. And so I I bring it up just to say, you're not trying anything before you buy it. you're, You're driving a truck when you want a boat or the other way around, however you want to frame it. They're two different things. And that's the beauty of marriage. What flourishes and grows inside of a marriage grows precisely because that person knows, no matter what I do, no matter who I become, no matter whether I'm sick, no matter whether I'm poor, no matter whatever happens, you're going to be there with me. And inside of that profound gift of security, you are able to open yourself up, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally, in a way that you cannot do if you don't have that kind of security, and so you cannot experience that without the commitment. They're two different things. And ironically, when you train yourself in your relationship to go the other direction—that your, you know, love and connection with me is based on your performance and the other way around, my performance—when you get married, you're going to have all these barriers up that you have to work through and tear down just to keep it together.
1: That's good. Yeah. And okay. by the way,
2: we haven't said anything about the Bible. Like, like I, I would yeah. say this to anyone who wasn't a Christian. Yeah. I'd say I say just. Be smart, have some wisdom. think about it for a second. Does this actually work? Go look at the numbers and the stats. Does this actually lead to healthier marriages? You know My, my wife had a professor who told her to to live with me before we got married, and if she didn't like she's really stupid. I want to go back to the guy and be like, "Dude. Read the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just a facts guy. You're wrong. I'm right. Like, I'm not trying to be me. It's it's a fact. I would have been more likely to get a divorce. So Mm. no, I'm sorry, dude. No.
1: Yeah. So to me, this makes so much sense. Like, I don't even know how someone could argue this point. But let's talk to the person. Okay. I've had this scenario with some friends. It's like, we are engaged. We are getting married in let's make up September and my lease runs out in June. And like, we're going to just move in together. The logical sense, maybe they're in grad school and they need to save every little penny. And so financially, it just makes sense for them to live together. I mean, any other logistical kind of scenario that I hear a lot, what would you say to that person?
2: Yeah, it mean, so you're bringing in some, some great realistic scenarios. You know, maybe the most challenging one in there is the person who's like, I've got two months left on my lease. What do I do? You know, and this kind of goes back to my whole thing of like every situation is unique and you have to wrestle through that. But I have frequently had people tell me like this is the fiscally responsible thing. This is the thing that I need to do. And so again, now I'm not to talk to the Christian. Not, not the, Look, if, if you're not a Christian, yes, like cohabitating is it is fiscally responsible. <laughs> it's cheaper to live with someone else than it is to live by yourself. Okay, fact, right? So I just said I'm fact based. There's there's your fact. Now, remember all the costs I just said, but let's just stop and pause for a second and say that there's other costs, which we'll, we'll explore in a second. Is this actually a good reason? So again, I, years ago, I was spending time with this guy and this gal who were dating and she was a single mom. She had three kids at home, all young kids dating this guy, great guy, but they both only had a high school education. They're both working very low paying hourly jobs. They have almost nothing coming in. They're providing for three kids and they were cohabitating. And they were saying, look, they had been sleeping together. Like, we want to follow God. We don't want to sleep together. We think he's calling us to get married. We don't know what to do because we literally can't afford to move out. And so in that case, I was like, okay, let's have you guys sleep in separate places. And we're going to like be really accountable about this. And we're going to talk about it consistently. Like I'm going to be texting you guys asking how things are going. Okay. And let's get a plan to get you guys married in the next two weeks. I did a shotgun. Love that. Okay. (laughs) And they were like, yep, this is what we want to do. We're ready to go forward with it. Now, here's the deal. My guess is most people listening to this are not single moms with three kids with a high school education. And if that's not you, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. But really, you can't afford to find a two month lease. Come Come live in
1: someone's (laughs) basement. Go live in someone's
2: basement. (laughs) No. Like, just be honest. Just say, I want to live with the person. Don't make up the rationalizations of, well, it's for money, it's for ease. Like, yes, I'm I'm sure those are good, but just be honest. You really want to live in the same house as this person. That's why you're engaged to them, right? And chances are, again, in most cases, people are like, oh, we're not going to sleep together. (laughs) I just don't even have words. Like, I wasn't born yesterday. If you are living in the same space, you are going to have sex together. Fact, period, end of sentence. I just, I mean, unless like you have like some weird. Condition that is preventing you from doing that. Oh, like, wow, I don't. Going Do you have there. a fact for that? <laughs> I d- Do you have like a
0: <laughs> actual stat?
2: I, I'm sure if I found the stats on sex and cohabitation, we'd be at 99. Yeah, like, percent
0: Yeah, I'm sure too. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, so all of this said, what does like? Let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about this? What would you point if someone is saying, "Yes, I'm a Christian and I want to glorify God in my relationship"? And What does that look like? What does the Bible say about that?
2: Okay, that's a great question. And I think it's a question that Christians should be asking. Let me tell you why. Jesus isn't holding out on you. Jesus isn't saying, I don't want you guys to cohabitate because I'm just this, you know, angry, you know, ancient Jewish guy from 2000 years ago who had backwards ideas about how the world works. No, he's saying, I'm your creator. I invented the idea of marriage. I invented the idea of sex and I know what's best for you. And I know how these things flourish. goes back to what I just said a moment ago about the beauty that comes out of commitment. And he knows that destruction comes when we pull sex and, and not just sex, but the emotional and spiritual elements of marriage outside of that committed context, because it becomes performance based. Your relationship, but Jesus isn't performance-based. Your relationship with your spouse is supposed to be a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. And so he's saying, look, I want what's best for you. I love you. I'm not putting you in a cage. I'm helping you to flourish, okay? And so that's why we should ask the question, what's the Bible say about this? Not so we can find a set of rules to follow, but because we want to enjoy the best life, the most abundant and blessed life that we can. And we can't do that if we refuse to live in the confines of the way God's calling us to, right? You can't go and play Mozart tomorrow if you don't spend day after day after day practicing on the way up. That's a rule. That that's, that that's a law. You got to keep practicing. But to have the, the Mozart at the end of the tunnel, you, you have to go through those those steps. And so, you know, what's the Bible say about this? I think the answer is nothing. So can we move on?
0: Well, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's good. I mean, yeah, you're not going to go find thou shall not live together before wedding day. But <laughs> I mean, I think we're all saying use wisdom in every decision you're making, go back to scripture and it's hard for a person like me who likes the black and white answer on things, but we of- See, kinda, that's
2: why I did that. Yeah.
1: Oh, because you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. With you. It, it's Samantha's frustrating. Right it's now. like, no, but I mean, yes, it is in the Bible. If you look at God's design for marriage, we can then know that this is not how He designed it to be. And so, yeah, I think <laughs> I kind of want to move, like, unless you have anything else to say on well, that. Well, so
2: I, I'm, I'm being facetious when I say that there's nothing in the Bible. Look, we shouldn't be shocked. Cohabitation did not exist in the Bible times. So, like, is there anything about your iPhone in the Bible? Well, no. Do you think God cares how you use your iPhone? Do you think that the way you use your iPhone could be productive and good or incredibly destructive in your life. The Bible doesn't tell you anything about whether you should watch The Bachelor or Game of Thrones. The Bible doesn't tell you anything about how many drinks you can drink before you get drunk. The Bible doesn't tell you whether you should smoke weed or whether it should be legal. Like I can just come up with this massive list of things the Bible doesn't say. And the question isn't, does the Bible say anything about it? The question more so is what you just said, is life is like improv. And the question is, how do I improv in this moment, in this day, in this age? How am I, how am I going to sing the song of Jesus faithfully, right now and thankfully the bible says all kinds of stuff about sexual immorality it says flee sexual immorality first corinthians 6 18 is cohabitate it's flee like fleas run the opposite direction okay so like i would love to see this happen when the cohabitating couple you know the guy walks in he's like oh shoot sexual immorality it turns around and runs out where are you going I'm, i'm homeless i don't know what to do you know like how is this actually helping you flee sexual immorality jesus said it would be better for you to pluck out your eye than lust after someone but man i can't do two months on my lease, what am I going to, I got to li- pluck out your eye. Like, may, okay, may, maybe you've got to figure out like a bodily solution that's going to be really painful so that during that period you can, you know, solve your problems. Like I think that would be Jesus's response. So again, it's like, do you trust Jesus with your eternal soul, your eternal life, but not your sex life? If you think he's got that covered and he's got a good plan for you, why not the other thing?
0: Mm-hmm. It's hard. That's really good. It's so much good. Yeah. Talk to the person just to kind of wrap us up here. How would you encourage the couple who is currently thinking about this? Who's currently maybe like entertaining this idea? I'm thinking about the
1: girl right now who's sitting here listening to it. And she's like, oh, crap. Like, I am living with my boyfriend. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Like, I didn't understand. I didn't think this through. Mm
2: hmm. No, I, I, and that's where like, I would say, like, if you come into my office, you're going to get a different version of me that's going to be much more... T- I'm, I'm trying to be challenging. I'm trying mm-hmm. to make people think. And yet I know in real life, these questions get complicated and challenging. You know What I think a lot of that person's probably asking right now is just going to go back and they say, wait a second, they didn't say this is a sin. And if it's not a sin, then I guess I can just do whatever I want. You know, And the question like, is this a sin? I think it's just the wrong place to start right? The question is, what does Jesus want me to do in this particular situation? What's wisdom and discernment look like? I mean, it's not a sin to touch an electric fence. So go touch them, I guess. I mean, like, no, of course, that's something like, it's not a sin for me to leave a loaded gun in my daughter's bedroom. I'm not going to do it. Like you cannot pay me enough money to do it. It's not a sin to watch Netflix for 10 hours a day. It's not a sin to eat Taco Bell for every meal. You know, it's not a sin to spend every dollar you have on clothing. It's not a sin to stay up until 3am every day before you go to work. Like these things aren't sins. Every rational person knows maybe those aren't smart choices. Maybe those aren't wise choices. Maybe those aren't discerning choices. And so what I would say to that person is simply this. Stop asking the question, what's the line? So I can walk up to you. Like, don't, don't be like my daughter who puts her hand on the oven like it's close to the burners. Like I'm not touching it. Well, stop. Like, <laughs> The question's not how close can you get without burning yourself. The question's what's wise for me to do. And so again, in all these different circumstances, I think you're going to have different answers. And again, I, I've done a shocking number. I've done a shocking number of shocking weddings. I'm, I'm not asking people, by the way, to like rush into marriage. But here's my point. If you've been dating for a long time and you're like, yeah, we want to get married. Like what I did for one couple is, is I was like, hey, great. Come in. We're going to get married in two weeks. I'm going to get you guys married in two weeks. And then we'll do a, a real ceremony with your friends and family like six months from now. And so they lived together for six months. They were already married in God's eyes. And then we did another ceremony with everybody else and we did the reception and the big party thing. And it was awesome, right? So, like, my point is, like, there's lots of creative solutions. And here's the deal if you don't want to get married to this person, right? Well, just stop and think about it. So, you're going to keep cohabitating with them, you're going to keep building your life together just so that you can shred your life into pieces and train yourself to not be committed to someone in the future. Like, that's your alternative option. Or you can stay cohabitating, I guess, and get married in the future. But again, 33% chance of divorce, you're training yourself for the wrong thing. So it's like, part of me just wants to say, be logical, like, look at your options on the table. Every version of you staying in a cohabitating relationship ends bad, (laughs) or not as good as it could. So maybe it's time to move out and say, okay, you know what, we're going to try following Jesus, we're going to trust him with this radical step, move out. And we're going to try to build healthier patterns in our relationship and work our way towards marriage. And if we don't get married, that's fine. We're not going to have the same hardship that would have come otherwise. So I'm laying out lots of different options here to say, how can you respond to it? But I think each situation is going to be unique.
1: I mean, I'm the girl that got engaged and got married six weeks later for this exact reason. We were both going to have to move to Kansas City in the summer and both going to be living separately. And we knew we wanted to get married that fall. So we're like, hey, let's get married in six weeks. So if you want tips on how to plan a wedding in six weeks, (laughs) you can DM me on that. But it is possible to work out solutions to things. And Mm so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to be a little bit creative and like also focus on what a wedding or a marriage, like the point of it is, in the long run anyways.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I am I, not advocating to just rush into a marriage that you shouldn't be in. You know, the reason why you're cohabitating and sleeping together might honestly be because you're both not very serious about your relationship with Jesus and trusting him in your life. And that might mean that other person is someone you should break up with. Or maybe you're someone they should break up with. I'm, I'm not trying to beat mean when I say this. Maybe you need to figure some stuff out and then get back together in the future. I, I don't know what it is. But this is my point. Every circumstance is going to be different. What I'm positive about is God doesn't want you to go through the pain and suffering that's going to happen in your life as a result of your cohabitating. That's not his intention. That's not his goal. That's not the abundance, the blessing that he wants to give you. And so why are you saying no to God's good gifts? Like, Try trusting him and see what happens at the end of it.
0: Yeah. That's so good. I mean, so many good things were said there. I love what you have said about abundance and flourishing that our creator wants for us and what a beautiful picture that is. And so I hope this conversation has, like we said, been encouraging, been something that maybe you can think about, maybe you can go to your close community and talk through and think through and have people praying for you. And if you're in a position that you want to talk more, then please reach out. We would love to chat more about this, but thank you, Patrick, for everything you shared.
1: We're for sure going to have you on again
0: with the spicy <laughs> topics. Yes.
2: Great. It was great being here.
0: Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast.
1: And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend.
0: Talk to you soon.